Hello everybody and welcome to Love Unlocks live sessions. Uh, we're starting a bit late today, sorry about that, but we are here and we are live and very excited about our guest today. Uh, Love Unlocks is a program where I chat to some amazing people that I know that have had an impact on my life and my, and my wife's lives. And uh, so you may not always know who they are, but we do and we would love to introduce them to you. And it's brought to you by our ministry called Love Key, where we want to see that people encounter God, align with His purposes so they can reign in life. And our heart is to really see that healthy families build a healthy nation. And that's why we try to minister wholeness to families and, and unity to the body of Christ. And that's what this is all about, is through these conversations to bring some hope and bring some inspiration. And uh, I want to introduce uh, this beautiful couple today, all the way from the America. They uh, woke up very early to, to be part of this today. Um, <laughs> there you'll see some pictures of them and their beautiful family. Um, they were our... Mom and dad, kind of, when we, when my wife and I were in the States back in 2007, 2008, uh, we were doing, uh, I was doing a musical in the States and we were introduced by a pastor friend of ours and they just let us come and say hi and stay at their house and we became really good friends. And, uh, and I want to introduce them to you today. This is Kelly and Kirk Mitty, all the way from Raleigh, North Carolina. Yeah, you guys have to snuggle up so we can see both of you at the same time. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Better together. Nice. Right. <laughs> Good morning. How are you Good guys? Morning. <laughs> we are well. We well, are well. Wonderful. As your, um, they just told me that they brewed their own coffee, uh, and uh, so I want to know has that has that caffeine kicked in yet? Uh, it's getting close. <laughs> I'm so glad you guys are here. Thank you so much for, for coming on uh, Love Unlocks. And it's actually just so great to see you and to chat to you. We, uh, we don't do it often enough, um, but it's, it's so great for you to come on. I really appreciate it. Um, how, how I normally do this is um, I first ask some you know, more kind of fun, lighthearted questions to, uh, to get to know you guys. And then I want to step into a bit more of the the deeper stuff about you know how you guys came to Christ and and how things uh, developed from there. Um, but what I the, one of the main reasons I, I wanted to chat to you guys is because of the the really significant impact that our conversations had on Alessa and I with our marriage and in terms of preparing to be parents. Uh, that has really been a, a big impact on our lives, and I, I will always be grateful for that and uh, want to honor you guys for that. Um, and so a lot of the questions are going to be about marriage and family, which, you know, is also what our ministry is about. Um, but we all know there's, you know, there's the serious things, there's the important things, but there's also the fun side to, to being married and having kids. So I thought I would um, ask you some questions about that. So kicking it off, uh, I would love to know how long have you guys been married? 35 years. Yeah, just a couple of weeks away from 35 years. That's amazing. What, uh, what is the, you know, they've got the different years of different things that you have to give a gift of. What is, what is 35? Do you know? Silver or something, <laughs> something big. Maybe it's diamonds. <laughs> a pound of, of home roasted coffee. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's good. I like that. Um, so I, I love hearing the, the you know, the, the, in movies they talk about the meet cute moment where, where a couple meets for the first time. Uh, so we, I'd love to have people know how did you guys meet and how long was it from 
meeting to to cook actually popping the question? <laughs> not long. <laughs> yeah, not long. You want to tell? Um, so we were working in the country of Haiti. I was a teacher, and Kirk was working for a nonprofit, and we went to the same church, and we met. We actually met in September of 1984, and then in November, Kirk had a really bad burn accident um, doing some work, and so I went to visit him in the hospital, and then after that, he came and visited me in my home, and by Christmas time, we were kind of interested in each other in, in December. Wow. We were engaged by April and married in July. <laughs> And pregnant with our first baby in August. <laughs> Whoa, that's amazing! You guys did yeah. not wait around. Uh, how did you? How did you ask her, Kirk? What was the? Were you romantic or just kind of like, you know, do you wanna? No. <laughs> well, kind of, kind of, yeah. So we were very intense in our relationship with the Lord at that period of our lives, and we were in Haiti, as Kelly said, and. And we were pretty serious about each other and definitely felt like we wanted to get married. But I really felt like we needed a word from God. And I clearly remember the night I was on her front porch. It was about two or three in the morning and she had gone inside and it was like God just spoke to me. And he said, it's more expedient for the gospel that you are together. And so when wow. Kelly came back, I said, I got a word from God. And she got pretty excited. And then we had to call her father. <laughs> <laughs> So that's how it happened. So I wouldn't say it was surrounded by romance. In fact, romance was not a major part of our relationship up to then because we had both struggled with some things before we got saved, you know, on the sexual side, and it was just not good. So we were both pretty committed to not even touching. In fact, I never kissed Kelly until we'd been engaged, what, maybe a month. Wow. Uh, we didn't even hold hands until we were engaged. So we were very, very pure and very serious about that part of our relationship. But there was no problem after that. Uh, <laughs> well done. Well done. That's, that's good and healthy. I like that. Um, so <laughs> so we, we, uh, we've been married uh, almost 14 years. And, uh, and I know, you know from that bit of experience that you know, both – you, you both come from different worlds when you get married and, you know, the, there's things that initially are like cute and nice and funny or whatever, but they, they, they can maybe over time become a source of irritation uh, or annoyance. And, but, and then there's one of two things that can happen. You either accept it and just love the person, you know, through this little things that, that may annoy you, uh, or you s eventually successfully change that in that person. <laughs> so I want to know, do you guys have, have any examples of that, like s little things that used to irritate that you just kind of accepted or, or maybe successfully changed in each other? I would say that we were both, like Kirk mentioned, <clears throat> we were extremely passionate and zealous as 23, 24-year-olds about our our faith and walking with the Lord. And we still feel very passionate about that. But I think in our youth, we were probably offensively zealous is a great way to put it. <laughs> and um, I think that we really helped each other soften in those areas. And what's been really interesting is watching our children grow into that and go through that season themselves and not be annoyed with them. And we frequently look at them and when they were younger and, and say, wow, we were, we were way worse than that when we were 22 or 23. Um, they're all now in their thirties or close to 30 and have, they've all matured and softened. So it's kind of easy to talk about it now, but you know, five, 10 years ago, 
it wasn't like that. And we were annoyed with them, you know, about the things <laughs> they were yeah. zealous about. We were the same way. And I think we both really had a lot of arrogance about things and um, just began, the Lord just began to broaden our world and show us that uh, one, one thing that we say all the time that someone taught us early on was being right is not a fruit of the spirit. And <laughs> That's good. You know, we really felt like that was probably a pretty big thing for us to learn. Um, but in terms of like with each other, um, I mean, all the little stuff, you know, being dirty, being messy versus being particular and yeah. uh, things like that. Yeah. As Kelly said, you know, we were quite zealous when we were young. And, and I think the 58 year old version of myself is pretty sure that I would not like the 21 year old version <laughs> of myself at all. So, well, the other thing that's kind of related to that, Heinz, is that as we grow older, the thing that we see uh, through a lot of people that are our age and older is cynicism. And I think we talk a lot about this, is that we want to become sweet and not sour. And I'll tell you, that is a real challenge. The older you get, the more experience you have in life, it's just much easier to be cynical than it is to really make the effort to be more Christ-like. And so our commitment, we kind of glide into our latter years, is to you know try to remain uh, sweet to be somebody that people want to be around and not to be cynical or biting, especially in humor, because that's an easy way to open, you know, a new relationship when you meet somebody is to, you know, trash talk about whatever's happening around you and build some camaraderie around something negative rather than taking the high road. So yeah. certainly had a lot of sharp edges in our youth and, and we still do, I'm sure. But uh, as you said, you can make a choice to either look past that. And, and in our marriage counseling, we tell people consistently, you know, if, if you think you're going to change that person when you get married, you better think again. Because <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah, that's a that's a good one. It's amazing how that is a prevalent preconceived idea that many people have. It's like, don't worry, you know, I will I will change that. <laughs> and it yeah. and it becomes sometimes that becomes a major issue down the line if if things don't turn out the way that you thought it might, you know. Sure. Uh, you guys have amazing kids. Now you have amazing grandkids. Uh, I would love, I would love to ask this question about all of them, but we may be here all day. So I just want you to focus on the, on the, on the four, uh, and um, and t- tell me their names, and then the first word that pops into mind about that that child. Wow, that's a tricky one. Okay, we'll start with the youngest, Jesse. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah Jesse is just a, a boatload of fun. She's always been the fun kid in our Absolutely. family. Absolutely. Nate. <laughs> Nate. Nate is our youngest son, our third child, and I would call him compliant. Compliant. <laughs> okay. Cool. He goes along, get along, very intelligent. Um, he's got a very strong stubborn streak, but generally he's pretty compliant, I okay. think. Okay. That's okay. Okay, John. John is our oldest son, second child, and he is um, – wild um just he's had a wild life rascal rascal Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's cute okay yeah and then abby i think i would i would say she was compliant as well she was like the 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 great the best firstborn you could ever have and you Mm -hmm. thought boy i know all about parenting now based on how abby's turning out (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah, John, we realized we really didn't know anything about parenting at all. <laughs> textbook, the textbook child versus the not-so-textbook child. 
Oh man, that's amazing. That, they are awesome kids, and uh, it was amazing. Now I can't even call them kids anymore. They're you know they're adults. They've got kids of their own. It's amazing. Uh, I was wondering about you guys and your marriage over time, um, and I'm just basing this on what I've experienced as well. Is that each one? There's like this thing in a marriage where sometimes you dovetail. Like you know, someone is having a maybe an off day or a down moment, and the other one's strength can cover that one in that moment. Um, but we also typically have strengths and weaknesses. Uh, and I was just wondering if what is what is your strengths that would typically help carry each other through you know challenging times or you know because I know you guys have had some ups and downs in your in your business lives and. In, in many other things that you've gone through, um, what what is, how does, you know, how do you shine in those moments and help each other through those moments? It's a great question. Um, Kirk often calls me the relationship expert in our in our relationship. That I'm the one who's sort of got my ear to the ground about what's going on with the kids or the grandkids or other relatives or okay. close friends, and I can, you know. I can pick up on signals about how someone is feeling or remind him about, and he depends on me for this, you know, Hey, you should probably, you know, give Nate a call and just talk on a relational level not just talk about a project. Mm. Um, because Kirk is highly productive and highly steady and reliable <clears throat> and dependable. So I would say that's probably my strength in our relationship. Um, and has, you know, and, and even in terms of the, the hard things that we went through in our business, um, I'm also very <clears throat> adventurous myself and, a, and somewhat of a, I'm comfortable with risk. I won't say I'm a risk, <laughs> comfortable with risk. So, um, those two things combined really helped us get through some super tough times with our kids and with our business. Kirk, on the other hand, is very, like I said, extremely productive, extremely steady, extremely dependable. He's an excellent, he's a general contractor, excellent general contractor, um, has a, a fabulous reputation in the community for that. Um, and everyone trusts him and comes to him for questions about things. And so we build people's homes and that's a pretty long process. And that um, requires a huge amount of trust yeah. uh, sure. on the part of the client, <laughs> as you may know. Yeah. And, um, so uh, I think we're a really great team. And that was something that we said to each other when we were dating, uh, that we would make a good team. So in the areas where he's weak, I can pick up the slack. And I recognize that about him. And he recognizes in me that I need that steady hand. Mm. Um, frequently, he's, he can just say to me, it, it's going to be okay. Doesn't really have a strong reason why it's <laughs> Having to say it's going to be okay is yeah. a huge comfort and and um, really helps us get through whatever we're going through. So, so good. Uh, we had a ton of challenges with it with one of our children, and um, he was just a very steady force through that. Uh, while I was a basket case of tears, and <laughs> you know, <laughs> but um, yeah, that's how we work really well together. I think as a team. That's yeah, I think for. As Kelly said, on the emotional scale or the relational scale, I'm probably more on one end than the other. And so I think in our relationship, it has taken me quite a long time to be more perceptive about her specifically. But, um, you know, it's I can sense now when 
when things are not quite right or when she's a little bit despondent. I mean, typically, you know, in the winter when the days get short here and it might be cold, you know, I can tell, you know, she's having a down day. And so I need to kind of adjust to help get her through that either, you know, with some conversation or trying to do something or spending a little bit more time with her. But that was definitely a learned skill for me. That was not something that I brought into the marriage. And certainly it was not something that's a natural part of me. And I think, uh, to your point, that the, the, the dovetailing is what's key in this relationship. You know, all the relationships that we have in life, at some point, you know, when you go through college, for example, you make decisions about how deep you're really willing to go with some person. And almost all relationships will end other than the marriage one, because you come to a point where you say, you know, it's just not worth risking the vulnerability or risking bringing this up as an issue. And we've seen this repeated time and time again. But in the marriage relationship, you you have to keep going. There's no choice in that. We've always said that in our relationship, divorce is not an option. And therefore, if, you know, if we've got to uncover a rock and dig through something that's difficult or painful, the commitment is there to one another in the midst of that to say, I'm not leaving. So we, we need to work through this and figure yeah. this out, what we're doing. So the dovetailing part is really about going through life together uh, in a way that, that is mutually beneficial right so so as as uh the bible says that i'm to present kelly um you know spotless and pure she is my my work in that respect as a husband for my wife and so that's our commitment to one another and that's what we're going to do beautiful that's so cool um i think the guys who are watching and, and tuning in can see by now why we enjoyed being spending time with this amazing couple and learning from them uh and and just on that note welcome to everybody who have joined us it's so great to see you uh i <laughs> the next question is also kind of based on my own experience <laughs> uh and my, my wife and i have have since learned to laugh about this but you know entering marriage we definitely both had some preconceived ideas about how marriage will be and uh, and then fairly quickly learned that it's it's not exactly you know what you thought and i think you know television movies probably play a big role and the way people talk about romance and relationships play a big role uh, did you guys have any preconceived ideas about what marriage will be like and then kind of had a moment of oh wow maybe maybe i missed you know this one or or, or, the, or you, you had an expectation that wasn't quite met or, or something like that. And how did you deal with it? Yeah. Um, well, probably the biggest shock to our system was becoming unexpectedly pregnant very early. Oh, wow. Um, wow. We, we were hoping, you know, our plan was probably like most people, we're going to wait a few years and have kids. Yeah. We're going to have fun. We're going to go skiing and go on trips and buy a nice car and blah, blah, blah. And, that did not happen. Um, <laughs> literally, we had a honeymoon baby, and she is a delight. And thank, thank the Lord, she was an easy baby mm. that made, made the transition much smoother. But yeah, I mean, um, and probably the biggest impact on that was sexually. So we were, yeah. you know, obviously very excited about getting married. We um, we tried to wait as long as we could, you know, and. <laughs> won some battles and lost some others with that but you know we we did hold off on a few things until we got married so we were super excited about that and then it it just you know I'll blame it on the pregnancy but we've talked to so many couples since then that are not expecting a baby and and struggle with sex mm. so i would say probably in in regard to intimacy <clears throat> and sex that's probably been 
one of the major things that we struggled with early on and through that struggle have been able to help other people because it's extremely common struggle. Um, trying to sort out, you know, what exactly does this look like? What is, what is it supposed to look like? What is God's meaning in this? What, uh, you know, why doesn't it look like it does in the movies, you know? So, um, I would say that's probably the biggest thing that we, we dealt with in that regard was, was really trying to navigate that sexual relationship. However, I will also say that that has been, um, because of the struggle, probably one of the main things that has created uh, a really deep trust and intimacy with each other. Um, I think if it had always been easy and smooth, then there are a lot of things we would never have uh, dealt with. And learning to be patient and kind and generous Mm. and giving um, in that relationship on both sides has been really, uh, I don't know, really pivotal and great for us. And I mean, even now, I mean, we've been married 35 years, we're in our late 50s, you know, we're going through life changes. And, Mm. um, you know, and it's, it's a constant, it's a constant work in progress. Let me just put it that way. (laughs) (laughs) It's a fun work in progress. So (laughs) just decided, you know, I remember Kirk saying again, Mr. Comfort, you know, he's always making me feel better. Um, When we first got married, and we're struggling so much, he was like, it's going to be okay, we've got 50 years to figure this out. And (laughs) You know, we're we're heading down the home stretch again. <laughs> I got fifteen years left to figure it out. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I love that. Another point to your question there, Hans, is the thing that you bring into the marriage. You know, the, the Bible's pretty clear that you're supposed to die to yourself. That's what Luke nine twenty three says. You take yeah. up your cross to yourself. And before you get married, I don't think you really appreciate how selfish you are. But when you get in a marriage relationship, you've kind of got this vision about what the marriage is. And a lot of it revolves around selfishness. You know, she's going to meet all my needs sexually and she's there for me. And I'm going to come home from work and there's going to be this phenomenal meal laid out. You're not thinking about her as much. (laughs) Exactly. You and I had the same preconceived ideas, it seems. (laughs) (laughs) So the funny thing, though, is, you know, you get married and you think, wow, I really do have to die to myself. And you think you're making these major strides. And then you start having kids and you realize I haven't gotten anywhere. With <laughs> so <laughs> true. So true. Whole another level. Yeah. And you guys got kids immediately. So, I mean, that was like right there. And <laughs> you were still dealing with your own selfishness in marriage. And now suddenly there's a child. Oh, my goodness. That's well, next but, level. Honestly, the, the good thing about that was, and I don't think we appreciated this at the time, but it never really allowed us to get into selfish patterns in sure. the marriage yeah. because we immediately had to deal with the kids. And so once Kelly got pregnant and we talked about it, and you know, I convinced her that you know, children are a blessing from God. That's what the Bible said <laughs> in our flesh, not what we were believing. But I said, you know what, if, if we're going to have kids, we need to have them all now so that by the time we get to be 50, we've still got some life left in us. And that's where we're at now. And we're, we're really enjoying life. I'll say that. I mean, we've got our health, yeah. our finances in a good place. The kids are around a lot, but we've got a lot of independence now, things that we didn't have when we were in our early 20s. And so I don't regret the way any of that has unfolded. But okay. again, about getting into those right patterns and making sure we weren't too selfish. That's amazing. Sure. You guys run the Tuscan group together uh, and it's been going for quite a while. You've been through, uh, when we met you and spent time with you guys, it was going through a very tough patch. Uh, There was the 
the recession in you know eight and all that stuff hit you quite hard um and you've been going you got through that god really you've got a great testimony about that and 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 where you guys are now how what advice would you have for couples who are also in business together because it can get very difficult for some people to work together all day and then be together um how do you guys navigate that yeah it's funny because we've talked to a lot of people now during this pandemic who are stuck together all day because of the pandemic they're not working together necessarily but they're in the same household with all suddenly 24 7 yeah Yes. So, I mean, we've uh, we've been asked that question before because we work together. We work from our home office, so everything is right here. Yeah. And where we're building is literally in our neighborhood. So we really are home a lot. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it, we've gone through some seasons with it because uh, during the recession, Kirk actually went back to a corporate engineering job for a while that took him um, – traveling. I mean, he had to live in New York or Puerto Rico or I remember another that. Yeah, sure. for, for years at a time sometimes. So it was about a seven year break in terms of us working together all the time. So mm. coming back to that in the past five or six years has been a readjustment. Um, and honestly, we've been doing it so long now, it's hard to remember what some of the struggles were at the beginning. <laughs> but I know even now, um, I think it's, it's healthy for us to, uh, just take big breaks from each other. So if, if Kirk is running errands and, you know, meeting with clients and checking on the plumber and all that kind of stuff, we're not checking in with each other every five minutes. We're keeping some distance, keeping some time away, um, kind of making some work-free times and zones. Like uh, I can remember sitting on the porch swing uh, one time with our coffee in the morning and Kirk started talking about our finances and I was like, nope, this this is a finances free zone. We are not, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, and definitely the bedroom. We we really try to keep a lid on. Um, shop we don't talk. have, yeah. We don't we don't talk shop, and we don't keep you know our phones going for work in there and that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah. I mean, I think we're pretty good about the boundaries. We could do better, for sure. But I think do you know just taking a break and not constantly being in communication has been healthy for us. Awesome. Yeah. And, uh, you, the, so just to frame that a little bit differently for me, the, the business is definitely overriding and it's on my mind all the time. So the, the trick for me or the skill was to try to figure out if I can't shut it off, how do I at least stop talking about it and trying to <laughs> about, you know, this is our home. This is our relationship. This is our family. We're not talking about business right now. That's, mm. that's been the issue with all of that. When it comes to actually, <clears throat> excuse me, actually working together, uh, I think the one big issue there is trying to understand each other. Getting back to like personality types, what is it that energizes you? Mm. Is around people energizing or is it draining? Because for me, a lot of times being around people is draining. It's, I'd rather be alone most of the time. So trying to appreciate how Kelly and I are different, as she said, gi- giving space to each other. So even though we're living in the same house and working together out of our house there's still times when we have to be separate and it's not, it's kind of like you said, Heinz, what, what idea do you bring into the marriage? Oh, we're going to love each other 24 seven and we need to be, be together all the time. Well, that's <laughs> not really the way it is. Yeah. You need some time alone. You need time to process and to think and to, you know, just do life by yourself. But certainly the marriage is, is overriding there. So I think growing into that and I think 
in the context of what Kelly's interests were relative to the business, it wasn't something that was necessarily thrust on her. It's something she enjoyed and wanted to be a part of, which really helped. So she finds a, a creative outlet in the aspects of the business that she runs, which is the, you know, the design side and the, the marketing side, those kinds of things. Okay. Whereas I'm definitely more on the production side and, and making the project successful from a time and money perspective. So I think we have a, a great working relationship and that might not always be the case with people that are working together. Yeah, it sounds like you're almost, you know, even in your work life, you, you kind of dovetail in a way, focusing on your strengths. That's great. So when, when people did ask you about how to handle this being together all the time, locked together in the house, uh, if they're not used to that, what, what was your advice to those couples? <laughs> I think just taking a break from each other. I mean, if depending on the size of your place, if you can find a way to just be doing your own work in your own corner of the house in some way and only coming together, you know, maybe at mealtimes or when the day would normally be over and you would see each other in the yeah. evening or whatever. You know, I think trying to keep that kind of schedule as much as possible. Um, I mean, honestly, it's been really tough for me to relate to young parents about this because we don't have little kids mm. under our feet. So I, I can't imagine how folks who have both spouses working full time normally away from home with their kids in school are doing it. Um, I can tell you. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's been interesting. <laughs> oh, wow. No, but it, it's, I mean, it's a very real thing that, you know, we have to deal with. And I think it's, it is different for Aleta and I because we, we didn't have office jobs away from home. We both worked from home already. Um, but now with the kids at home, uh, you know, and you have this like thing in your mind, like I need to school these kids somehow and work and, you know, still generate an income somehow. It's, oh, it's been, it's been very interesting, but God has been so good and just giving us wisdom and, and guiding us. But it's a, it's a new issue, you know, that people have to deal with. Wow. It's a, it's a, it's a brave new world we live in. Uh, I'm sure your, I'm sure your oldest son is, is probably becoming a whole lot more mature by force because you're probably depending on the older kids to help the little kids. You know, I, I could see that happening for sure. Yeah. And, and with, uh, I remember in the beginning of Leanne's grade four year now, they, they told us you're going to see a shift in your child's approach to responsibility. Uh, they're going to actually take up responsibility naturally. And uh, I've really seen that. And it, definitely been a lot of development in that sense and he's even starting to like become a bit of a parent to his brothers sometimes i have to go hey whoa <laughs> 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 like take it down a notch you know because it's all also i guess typical older child they know they are very responsible and they you know want to lay down the law but uh yeah so that's that's it's been interesting to see into but it's been good for all the relationships in the house because you have to now you're faced with this you have to deal with it you know it's and, and it's it's relational. It's my wife and I. It's me with each child. It's us as a family together. All those dynamics are have been challenged, and we have to navigate, you know. But it's it, it's amazing. But and on that note, I wanted to ask you this whole thing of uh, you started. Um, you you minister to couples, and you've got retreats for couples, and doing amazing work in that space. You call it better together. What does better together mean to you guys? <laughs> Wow. Um, yeah, it's funny. We have an annual retreat 
uh, in February, usually around Valentine's Day, which is February 14th here. I assume it's the same there. It is, yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, so this past year we went to a golf resort with about 50 couples <clears throat> and spent two nights there and had um, – we really just used uh, – couples from our church community to be the speakers, but we were very intentional about finding diverse couples in terms of ethnicity as well as life experience. So we had couples married anywhere from maybe seven or eight years up to 35, 40 years. And um, yeah, we talked this year, our theme was unity and vision, <laughs> which <laughs> is very, had no idea what was coming. Um, for 2020 and because it was 2020 we talk about 2020 vision uh, yeah. so um we we spent kirk and i spent quite a bit of time in the first session discussing um as a speaker your unity in your relationship because really without unity you can't really have a vision for your future so that's that's sort of been the pulse of what we've been talking about and we really didn't have any idea how unity would be so tested um, this year because wow. people are being thrust together. And the prediction, you know, that we've seen is either couples are going to really do great and thrive and be closer than ever, or all of the cracks in the relationship are going to tear them apart. Um, and there's going to be a, a high rate of divorce. So we're still sort of, the jury's still out, you know, we don't know what's going to happen quite yet. Um, also have heard from some social workers that, that the foster care system is expecting a big influx of children whose parents, um, you know, because they're home all day, they're in at-risk situations. Wow. So I mean, there's going to be some very interesting outcomes, um, sad outcomes, as well as potentially really great outcomes. Yeah. Um, yeah, in terms of our... Our work with marriage uh, with married couples, we work with engaged couples, um, just laying out the framework and uh, everything for a great relationship. We're going to be hosting a wedding here at our house again at the end of the month. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, for a couple that we've been counseling um, as they've been engaged. And we, yeah, we really just talk about that God's plan, like Kirk said earlier, God's plan is for us to push each other toward the image of Christ that that Jesus has in mind for us and that as a spouse, that's our number one job is to help our spouse become that person in a Christian marriage. So that's, that's really what we are. Uh, we keep at the core is that we're better together. We're better as a team mm. than we would be apart. Um, if God has called you to be married, then you're, you're always going to be better as a married couple and better together. So true. That's great. Yeah, and, and another, I want to tie back into the relational thing I said earlier, because I think, you know, when I got saved in college, I had a group of guys um, that I was walking with. That they didn't have any qualms about calling me out on things, you know, pointing up issues in my life. But when you get married and those relationships kind of fall away, and the older you get, there's less and less people in your life who will really step up to call you out on something. But that's what the marriage is about, you know. I mean, Kelly will call me out. She'll point out things that are not quite right, and I point out things that are not quite right. And we have to be willing to say, this is not God's best for us. Mm. This is not God's best for me as an individual. This needs to change. And so, you know, making that a matter of prayer and concerted effort to try to change is important. But the older you get, the less relational, the less relationships you have around you where that is actually happening. That is a major part of growth. And and so, the, the you know, if you walk through life as a single you know, and you don't have somebody calling you out and you're just 
obnoxious, you know, and you don't even know what, what good is that, right? So very yeah. soften those sharp edges and create, as Kelly said, better together. That that actually is the point for us is that are we more Christ-like as married people than we would have been separately? And I think the answer is over, overwhelmingly yes for us. And that's what I'm excited about. Yeah. It, it sounds like the key to to have that happen is a whole lot of humility. And <laughs> and uh, what what I've realized is that, and you must tell me if you agree with this, that you can it's 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 a lot harder to humble yourself through self discipline towards a person than it is to choose to humble yourself before God, uh, because that humbling yourself before God is is in my case anyway what helps me to be humble enough to go and apologize to my wife and work through what everything we may be facing. Because um, in myself, I'm definitely, there's a lot of pride. There's a lot of, well, I was right, you know, and you want to <laughs> stand your ground. Uh, and I have no problem defending what I said or did. Uh, whereas, you know, for her, that's, it's, a, it's a whole other, she handles conflict in, in a very different way. Um, so, yeah, you know, how, how do you, let me ask you this way. How do you stay humble in your relationship enough to say, to, to receive that kind of feedback from your spouse and not let it make things bitter or, um, you know, tense in the house? Well, I think uh, you touched on the conflict issue, Heinz, which I think is key to the success of any relationship. In fact, we, we talk about that a lot mm. in marriage counseling uh, and in our retreats is that if, if you are unable to handle conflict and to resolve conflict, your marriage is probably on thin ice because you have to resolve conflict. So as you said, you bring in these ideas about what marriage is. One of the things that people bring into a marriage is this idea that we're never going to have a fight. And that, <laughs> yeah. that's just not right. So conflict is a natural part of any relationship. And understanding how to resolve that is a skill. And so for us coming into the relationship, that was a very difficult skill to, to master. And it took us years. I would say it took us 10 or 15 years to get to the point where we could successfully get through a conflict um, and, and come to some type of a resolution. But some of our conflicts early on would last three or four hours because my reaction to a conflict is to sh shut down. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't say anything because I didn't want to say something that was offensive or something that might hurt Kelly. So it might go on. There might be uh, periods of silence that could last 10 or 15 minutes or 30 minutes. And Kelly, you know, she comes from a different school. She go let it. <laughs> we're going to throw down right now and take care of it. Yeah. So, but if you, yeah, I mean, the part about being humble is, again, trying to reflect on, you know, again, being right is not a fruit of the spirit. It's not about whether I was right or wrong. It's about do I value this relationship more yeah. than I value right, whether the perspective is not necessarily correct. Yeah. So, so I think That's good. being humble. There is to say, yes, I value this relationship and this wife. Um, this is my wife, and so we're gonna we're gonna get through this. And and humility is the key to that. But sometimes it's difficult to get there. Yeah, yeah. I think knowing and recognizing that the relationship is a higher value than our own individual um, pursuits or desires. That when when you get married as a in in the Christian. Um, in the biblical way that God has in mind for a marriage, you're not two separate people anymore. You're one person mm. and the the team is the higher goal than the individual at that point. And not that you become 
so combined that you lose your own identity, but you you're expressing your own identity through the teamwork. Um, and I think just remembering that, you know, we are individually so far from the, of who Jesus was, who Jesus is, and that that's what we're trying to get to, that it's easy to become humble when you look at Jesus because you think, wow, I have a long way to go here. <laughs> and, and so I think the creating a culture where you feel safe, um, and, and working on making your, your spouse feel safe in a, in a conflict or really at any point, uh, even that was probably one of the key things about our sexual struggles at the beginning was feeling like we were safe with each other. Like I can trust this person to take care of me mm. with this for the long haul and anything that has to change, you know, when there's a confrontation about, you know, something comes up that's not right in our relationship and something we have to work on. I know he loves me and he's not going to leave me. He's not going to reject me for, for this flaw. Mm. Something came up recently um, that was extremely humbling uh, as we're going here in the States, we're going through this incredible um, conversation about racial inequality and injustice yeah. sure. in the U.S. And really it's been a, a deep work of humility for us to, to just be quiet and listen mm. um, others and learn and um you know just when you think you're doing okay something pops up in your soul that's not pure and so you know just this something happened a few years ago and kirk reminded me about it and and we were uh, it was very humbling it was it was painful <laughs> and yet i know that he's a safe place for me to process my sin to get through stuff and change and um you know that's I think that, that creating that safety is, is really important to do. I love that. What I'm, what I'm hearing is that it's important to, to recognize that there's a calling on your marriage. And it's, a, it's, a, it's something that God put in place. And is, it's, it's almost like, you know, I like the way you said, I value my wife and my marriage. And I value this calling that God has placed on my marriage. And so when when things get tough, you go, okay, am I serving that or am I serving myself? And I, that that for me is a powerful powerful thought. Yeah, wow, thank you. Um, I wanna I wanna people to hear your your stories of coming to Christ. And you both said in the beginning there was a bit of a time that you weren't living God's way, and then you became very zealous. Um, and then there was the the process of, of, of after becoming saved, being zealous, you know, and realizing what, what wisdom brings to the picture uh, in terms of dealing with other people. Uh, I would love to hear how you guys individually came to know Jesus and, and how His love unlocked your lives. Because um, that's, that's one of the main things we try to get to here. And then I want to chat to you a bit about parenting as well. Okay. You, okay. You want to go first? Sure. Yeah. So I was raised in a Catholic house, and uh, everybody in my family is Catholic. We went to mass every week, multiple times sometimes. So I grew up in church. But uh, when I was about seventeen, I had a friend who was not Catholic, and he invited me to go to church. And my parents said they weren't excited about it for sure, but they said, "Well, you can go with him, but you still have to go to mass." And that that really just didn't make any sense to me at all. And so it was at that point in time when I began to really question. Uh, you know, everything related to a, a worldview and mm. and God 
what what is the what is the truth? How am I going to embrace this, and how am I going to live my life? And so I went on a you know a wild spell for for several years, and then when I went to college, um, you know it was it was a pretty wild time in my life. But I think I was really just searching for something that was going to stabilize me. Mm. And as I was going through these these periods of discovery, I had several people in my life who were really speaking the truth into me. Uh, concerning the Bible and what it said. And as a Catholic, I had never read the Bible. I had no idea what it said. And in fact, on one of my birthdays, I think when I turned 19, uh, one of my roommates, who was a very strong Christian at the time, he gave me a Bible for my birthday. Hmm. And I said, Ronnie, that's really great, thanks, but I I can't read this because it's not Catholic. And I'm not sure (laughs) what Catholic Bible was or anything about the Apocrypha. He said, that's okay, you could take it back and get the one you want. And he knew I wouldn't do that (laughs) at all. But anyway, um, these these people that were around me began to really challenge me with with basic biblical questions about who God was and who Jesus was. Why did Jesus walk the earth? What was sin? And why did Jesus die on the cross? And so these things began to really haunt me. And and I was living in a in a pretty bad way at the time, but it was a real conflict within my soul. And so I remember being in my room uh, one night and I was all by myself and, and I had started to read that Bible and it was the Holy Spirit was just bringing it alive in an amazing way, yeah. amazing. And I was all by myself and I just had that realization from God that if I was the only person on the earth, he still would have died on that cross just for me. And I thought, wow, this is phenomenal. I need to, I need to be all in on this thing. And so that's when I got saved. So I was, wow. I think, 18, 19 at the time. And, um, and my life radically changed from that point on. I mean, radically. There were multiple relationships that ended rather quickly um, that were not healthy at all, but really started to see what God wanted to do and got around people that were willing to, you know, encourage me in that, got in some small groups and some Bible studies and started to really, really begin to plow into who Jesus was and what, what this was all about. So it, it absolutely changed my life. It's what got me to Haiti and ultimately what, what got me in this marriage. Wow, that's that's incredible. Can I just ask on that? Um, was there what was the fallout in terms of family? You know, you you being raised Catholic, but then making this decision was was it a difficult adjustment that the family accepted, or was it a was there a hard road there? Very very hard road. So when I left home, when I started college at age seventeen, the relationship with my parents, specifically with my father, was very bad. I mean, we weren't talking a whole lot at all. And when I left, I was ready to go. I was ready to be out from under them. As I said, I wasn't, you know, there, there were a lot of rough edges on me when I left at age 17. I'll just say that. So when I got saved or when I started into this transition, you know, my mother probably more than my father expressed, you know, some serious concerns about this. But certainly when I got saved, it was a pretty big falling out. I mean, they were both very disappointed, very saddened because, at that point in time, you know, my mother honestly believed that if you weren't Catholic, you were going to hell. Yeah. And she honestly believed that. So it tore her up in her soul. Wow. So I would go home. <clears throat> as I started to read the Bible and got just a little bit of biblical understanding, you know, I'd go home and we'd get into some discussions. And, of course, they had never read the Bible. They had no idea what it said. Wow. And I just ripped my mom apart, which was just, you know, all zealous, no no love. And it yeah. was it was bad on my part. And I think it really embittered my father. Mm. Bitterness went for quite a long time. And um, it, it I wouldn't say it necessarily even healed. In fact, I think the real glory in this story, if I could fast forward about 30 years, is that <laughs> as 
at one point in, um, I guess it was about 1988, I asked my father, they, well, they came to our wedding, which was a major deal. And I didn't know this at the time. But in 1988, I asked my father, I said, Dad, what can what can we do to improve our relationship? And and I mean, he quickly shot back at me. He said, we don't have a relationship. He said, I would have come to your wedding if a priest hadn't counseled me to go. And I only did it for your mother. Wow. I mean, that's how the bitterness ran. Sure. So, so for about 30 years, it was an amazing walk in terms of trying to maintain some type of relationship with them, have them involved in the kids' lives. Very, very difficult. But about, I guess about five years ago, six years ago, when our business, Heinz, you alluded to our business, we were going through the recession and it was pretty bad. And and for a period of about two or three years, every day I got up thinking, I'm not going to go bankrupt today. I might go bankrupt tomorrow, but I'm not going to give in today. Good. And it was a very, very wow. difficult road. Sure. Uh, about six years into it, it was getting pretty close to a tipping point, and my partner I thought was going to go bankrupt, and had he gone bankrupt, there's a good chance we would have lost everything. And mm. so I was under a lot of stress at the time. I was working a project uh, away from home, and we were behind schedule, we were over budget, about $15 million. The client was not happy at all. So a lot of stress during the week. And when I would come home, we had a particularly difficult client here that Kelly couldn't control. And we were under a lot of stress here trying to get a house built. So I was majorly stressed out and, and probably on the verge of a nervous breakdown. And so um, anyway, I was I was uh, praying about this one night and I felt like God said, you have never asked your father to help you in this. And it was such an odd thought because he knew what we were going through and had never volunteered to step in. And mm. so wrote my dad a letter and basically just laid it out for him and said, here's the situation and this is where we're at. And, um, you know, would you be willing to help? And he did. And in the midst of that help, the the relationship was actually reconciled. Wow. Amazing thing. Amazing. And mm. so for the last years, I would say our relationship with my parents has been pretty good. Really wow. good. Really good. Oh, really good. Mm-hmm. That's so God is business for sure. Yeah. And Kenny, your story? Yeah, so, so I grew up, yeah, I, my parents um, and, and all, took all of us to a church when I was about 10 years old, and um, they were going through a spiritual transformation, and I sort of got swept up in the current of what was happening with them, and uh, for me, it, it stuck. Um, some of my siblings, it didn't stick, but uh, for me, I got, you know, it was like, wow, this is I'm one of those compliant kids. I'm the oldest child. You know, I was I was that textbook kid that you read about. Um, so it was easy for me to believe um, that Jesus was who he said he was. And I followed him and I uh, was very compliant about it. Um, I definitely have had to not just borrow someone else's theology and belief systems, but dig in for myself um, at times and not just... Uh, go along with it. Um, so that's been the challenge for me because I am very, pretty compliant. Um, but yeah, I met the Lord when I was 10, you know, I had a very childlike relationship with the Lord until I was probably about 22. Definitely wasn't perfect. Went through some sin that I had to deal with and, um, and got pretty serious about my relationship with the Lord. And I really invited the Holy spirit into my life to completely take it over around the age of 23 and it was it was soon after that that I went to Haiti and met Kirk and we got married. So I think we've been growing together through that, um, you know, ever since and and maturing along the way. So I have a pretty pretty vanilla story of meeting the Lord, but not any less 
um, miraculous because I know that he he set things up for me to meet him in that way and has continued to, to offer me um, challenges to grow and trust him. And we frequently talk about owning a business being like being a farmer, like completely having to trust God for rain and sunshine and nutrients because we don't know what's going to happen, mm. you know, and we've seen it prosper and we've seen it fail. So we are fully dependent on the Lord. And I think that's probably been the the pivotal thing in my life is is learning to trust God for everything and seeing that it doesn't come from my own strength. Yeah. So because it's a I mean, it's a daily choice, right? To to follow him. There's the there's the once the the big moment of of choosing to follow him, but then there's the multiple <laughs> choices after that you know in each situation in each day in each relationship to to say okay not my will be done but your will be done and i surrender and uh, and that's difficult and we sometimes do what paul warns against where he says why do you try to finish in the flesh what started in the spirit because <laughs> sometimes we go hey i got this and you kind of kind of want to do your own thing and then you you hit a wall you're like why did i hit a wall it's like Oh, I never consulted God on this one. Oh, okay. <laughs> and it's uh, that's what I found is, is so important is to actually align with Him daily and to choose to do that daily. It's uh, That's where a lot of the strength lies. Uh, hey, Bill Bennett is watching. Hello, Bill. Bill Bennett. Bill says hi. So cool. <laughs> um, well, I don't ever met but we have mutual friends <laughs> i'm sure yeah we all do in some way there's this connection it's amazing um one of the things that that aletta and i found so valuable in spending time with you guys we we were young you know just married just over a year when we met you and when we saw you with your kids and i mean obviously there were there's nothing that's perfect and you guys know of the stuff that you were struggling with in terms of parenting marriage business whatever but from our perspective, looking at the way that your your relationship was with your kids and, and the, the kind of character that they all had, we were like, whoa, what did you do? Because we want to raise kids that are like that, you know? And and it was just so amazing to sit at your feet and to, and to listen and to to get those golden nuggets that, that we try to our best to apply from the beginning. You know, you still make those first parent mistakes, obviously. But uh, it really just helped us so much uh, in, in when we started. And then we had our kids and we still communicated with you. And uh, we just had the Facebook memory come up of when we were there <laughs> in 2014. Uh, when, our, when Leon and Simeon was there, Aleta was pregnant with Ruben. And they were making pasta in your house. And I mean, it's just that was incredible for us. Uh, and so I would just love to, I know this is like, you know, this question is actually answered in a book or a seminar, but but for those listening that that are parents that may be facing some challenges, whatever, what are what are some of the the biggest truths that that you can relate to us in this conversation about that you have find? Listen, if you guys have these things in place, these foundations in terms of parenting, it's going to go a long way in in resolving this, the challenges you may have. That is a big question. I know, um, I know, I know. <laughs> but, you know, I think the thing that um, we've, we just actually did a Bible study or a book study with some other parents uh, that are our age, you know, in our season of life. And the book was called Doing Life with Your Adult Children. You probably ought to read that now before your kids are adults <laughs> because there's just 
lot of preliminary things that, wow, we should have done that differently, you know. <laughs> yeah. But um, really, I think keeping the end goal in mind that what you're trying to do in parenting is you're trying to raise children to become responsible, God-fearing um, adults with, you know, with their own value system of loving and serving God mm. and being a, a fine, upstanding, contributing member of society. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the end goal. And, you know, I think it's really easy to get lost in the diapers and the discipline issues and school and all the little things that go into training a child and not keeping that higher goal in mind um, of, of what you're really trying to do. So when you keep that goal in mind and you've got that target out there in front of you, you're aiming toward that target. And we say, you know, it's, it's better if you're aiming toward the target, you're going to, you may not hit the bullseye, but, but you're going to come close to the target. Yeah, if you don't have it, that's good. You're going to potentially shooting anywhere. Mm. So, um, you know, I think keeping Christ in the center of your family life and that can take on so many different forms. But I mean, we, we did regular, um, devotions with our children at nighttime before bed until they were probably preteens, you know, um, really training them and how to read the Bible and have their own relationship with the Lord. Um, that being a really high goal, our prayer for our kids was always that they would know Christ and love him with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength and love their neighbor as their self. That was so, kind of the core scripture that we prayed over them. Um, so and you know, that's all on a spiritual level, but I think another level that a lot of parents miss is identifying your child's gifts and talents that are God-given that can help propel them into um, a, a career, a way to earn money, because they do need to be independent. Yeah. You know, they need to be launched at some point to become responsible individuals who can earn money and have their own families. Yeah. and. And, and do their own thing in the world. So, I mean, even as our kids were young, we were really paying attention to the things that they were gifted in and steering them toward, um, toward a career in that way. And so one good. example, you know, our, our son, John, uh, the wild one, he, um, <laughs> the most trouble, if you can't tell from our conversations about him, but he, he really had an aptitude for automotive mechanics and so when he was about 15 or 16, um, we helped him find an internship with an auto mechanic. And that eventually turned into a mechanical engineering degree. And now he is a design engineer for um, Bosch Motorsports. Wow. And he lives in North Carolina and works with NASCAR drivers. <laughs> so, so cool. <laughs> so he's kind of, it was like recognizing that early on and pointing him in that direction. Um you know, to help him recognize what he was good at. And I, I, I remember, sorry for interrupting, I just remember as well, I'm not sure if it was him or Nate or both of them, that you found that the, the, the normal public school system uh, doesn't really make them shine. So you made a decision to, to homeschool rather and give them that hands-on experience with what they were good at. Does, do I remember correctly? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we were homeschooling them from very early on just because that was something Okay. We wanted to do from the beginning but yes they both both of our sons were uh really struggled with some learning disabilities um and we had them at home until they were about 14 or 15 and then we put them in the public school system but it did give them an opportunity to kind of you know that 
they, they weren't forced to fit into this, you know, square hole when yeah. they were around. Yeah. Um, okay. And lots of opportunity to do things that were kind of outside the box. So yes, I would say our kids in terms of, uh, their homeschooling experience would say that, that what they learned at homeschool was a lot of confidence to try new things and learn new things and learn how to learn for themselves. So, and that failure is okay. You know, if you make a mistake, that's actually how you learn. I think that's a big one. Sure. Yeah. yeah for sure. Yep. Kirk, as a, as a, as a father, I mean, I think one of the biggest pandemics we actually face in this world, I mean, pandemic as, you know, is, is fatherlessness and, and it's doing way more damage than a virus can in my personal opinion. And, um, as, as a father myself, uh, I would love to know just when you answer this question, I asked about parenting advice. Uh, I would love you to do it as, as a, as from a father's heart. Um, to other fathers so because I think it's so important for for those who are dads to to be the best dads they can be and 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 what does that look like and how do we make sure that we have less of the social and other issues that we have right now in the next generation yeah yeah I think I think you you touched on a very key point there Heinz the fatherlessness Mm. certainly in our country we see a lot of that but, um, you know, getting back to my own experience in terms of being just a father, one father, what did we do and what did I do specifically? I think, you know, there's so much of who you are as a man that you're modeling God for your sons and your daughters. They're getting their perspective of who God is through who you are because so God true. has spoken yeah. in the the Bible. And so they're, they're assigning characteristics to God based on how you behave as a father and whether they realize that or not. Mm. But a lot of their view of God is coming from you as a father. So it's important to be the best father that you can be for that reason alone, even if you don't say anything. And a lot of times, you know, especially for my sons, you know, they they did a lot of things with me and we weren't necessarily talking, but they were observing and they're always observing, you know, what I was doing. And I think one of the important things about being a father, as Kelly said, is trying to understand the strengths and the weaknesses of your child so that you can help them with those and certainly help them along a path that's going to give them the, the best opportunity for success in their lives and, and the most fulfillment, right? Because if you're doing something you love and you're, and you're good at it, then you're going to be successful. And I think for our boys especially, it's turned out that way. But for the girls as well, you know, to understand, you know, how they view life, how they view God, how they view the Bible. Those are all things that they're getting from you as parents, but specifically as a father. Mm. Uh, one thing I think in our relationship as, uh, you know, I was, I was probably more the primary disciplinarian in the relationship. But when I see parents today, and especially with young kids, I think one thing that's very, very important is to be consistent in the discipline because I see kids who, who are quite good at manipulating parents you know, when a parent will say to a child, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. Sometimes <laughs> there's no consequences. Yeah. And the child realizes that very, very early on. I mean, we started disciplining Abby probably before she was one. Certainly when she knew the difference between right and wrong. Before yeah. she could talk, she knew the difference. Yeah. And so we were very, very consistent at that. And the, the key to that that we discovered was really to do it in a spirit of love. And the problem with it is, that if as a parent, when you're disciplining your child, if you're not doing it uh, decisively and early, 
it will devolve into something other than love because you start to get irritated or frustrated or, you know, because you're trying to get this child to do something that you want them to do and they're not responding. And so it's your emotions are getting out of control. And so typically a lot of times that discipline will come out of harshness and the child understands that they know what's going on. And so that's why for us, we made a conscious decision very, very early on with our kids is that, you know, when we say no, no means no. And if they don't comply, then there are consequences. And so we could do it in a spirit of love because we weren't frustrated. It was just this, this is how we're doing it. This is what you've done wrong. And so we're going to address this now before it gets out of hand. And so our kids, I think they understood that. And so they were brought up in an atmosphere where they understood right and wrong. And they understood there were consequences for actions, which again is, is what the Bible is telling us about our lives. If you know, if you do these things, there are consequences. And so we wanted our children to understand that, but we wanted them to understand that in a loving relationship, just yeah. like it is with, you know, and then that's how God treats us. Those whom the Lord loves, he reproves and chastens everyone as a son. That, that is the biblical model. Sure. And so father, that's what I wanted to give my kids and to think about it in a long-term perspective. So this impacts not only my children, but their children and their children yeah, and their children, yeah. four, five generations down the line. So in the same way, the good things go that way, the bad things do too. So the mistakes you're making now, you're going to see those in 100, 200, 300 years. So what we want to instill in our kids is a sense of this destiny, this sense of lineage, this sense of God is more than just today and tomorrow. He's wow. about life and decades and lineages multi-generational god i love that that's so powerful and that's that's some of the things that that you taught us back then that we uh we try to apply i i don't always succeed in uh <laughs> in keeping the emotions in check especially at the moment those uh, they are 10 8 and 6 and when all three of them together gang up against you it's it's interesting it's interesting but I, I try to remember that advice and apply it as much as I can. <laughs> I want to say to the moms just about yeah. letting, letting your husband be a father. Um, I think this is something that a lot of women have a hard time with is, you know, most women, we want to, we're kind of the grace in the relationship. Oftentimes we want to go easy on the kids. Oh, don't be so hard on them. And um, I think that I realized pretty early on that, Kirk was God's God's gift to our children in terms of of they needed to see what it what it meant to be a man mm. and um, to be solid and be dependable and be consistent and reliable um, and I think that sometimes women will step in and try to intercept the way that the husband is taking care of um, like challenging their children and disciplining them and leading them in a way that some kids just needed to be a little bit more harsh. Uh, sons oftentimes need, <laughs> need that tough daddy hand, mm. um, you know, and not the soft mom. And I think that, that a lot of women fall short in this regard because they, they want to protect their children like a mama bear kind mm. of thing. You need to, you need to let your husband give that loving, firm instruction to your children uh, it's an extremely important part of of them becoming the adults that they need to become. Not just the boys, but the girls as well need to see their dads living that way. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I would just encourage the women to to let your husbands be be a man with your kids. You know, so good. I remember. I think one of the conversations we had that really stuck with me as well about kids is is to not. 
um, you, you, you challenged, no, no, what did I want to say? That to focus on telling the kid who he is, the, uh, establishing their identity, calling out the gold, and separating that from behavior. Because we can so easily tell the kid, you're naughty, you're this, you're that. Um, but making that distinguish, distinguish between that and their behavior, saying, you are, you know, you're my son, Jesus loves you, you've got a calling on your life, but this behavior that you just had is not acceptable in this house. And making that, dis you know, because I remember feeling like what I did was who I am <laughs> as a child when the way it was communicated. And, um, and I, that's something I remember from our talks as well is, is, is lovingly reminding your child who he is and what's not acceptable and what is acceptable. And, and that's, that's a, an amazing, that was for me a revelation anyway. So this is so good. I, I still have a lot of questions for you, but we're, we're running over an hour and uh, I think I should just invite you back sometime if you're open to it. Um, I, I did have one more uh, question that I think is relevant right now that, um, that maybe you can speak to, be, you know, being where you are in the States, in, in more of the southern parts of the States, we, you know, we're obviously here seeing the racial divide exploding over there. We have it as well in, in our own way. Uh, we struggle with that still here in South Africa. Um, and, you know, I can't speak to people that aren't believers about this sensitive subject, but I do believe as people who say we are Christians, who have been born again, who are new creations in Christ, who has now a, a, a culture supposedly that's based in heaven, um, you know, how, do, how, are we, how are we a part of the solution for the racial divide, the class divide, the, all these things that are happening? Um, and I guess the question is, how, do we, how would you advise people to, to love their neighbor well and what does that look like um, for each of us? Well, I think, uh, you know, we have talked about this ad nauseum over the last couple of weeks. I'm and I sure. Think yeah. at, at Kings Park International Church, where we go, the founding pastor, Ron Lewis, was deliberate about creating a multicultural environment uh, in some of the staff that he brought on. And I mm. think today what's interesting is we have an uh, African-American pastor who's married to a Nigerian woman, and our congregation is probably 60% African-American at this point, I would guess. Amazing. And I think... The point for us on a very personal level is to be intentional about relationships within the African-American or black community. And I think it, this gets back to even the 2020 uh, Better Together uh, session that we did earlier this year. We were intentional about bringing in speakers who had that perspective because that's a majority of our church. And we wanted to value them and their perspective, even though it was quite different from our own, because in life, it's just much easier to gravitate toward people that are just like you, how they think, how they vote, what they do. Mm. It's much more intentionality to invite somebody over who is not like you yeah. and be willing to invest your life in them and let them invest in you and ask difficult questions. And yet in, the, in, in your house, in a safe place, it's easier to have those types of discussions because you're by, by virtue of the fact that you're inviting them over, you're saying, I value you. Mm -hmm. And so we, on a personal level, have been very intentional about integrating ourselves with the black community at our church in order to say that we value you and we want relationship with you and it just takes a lot more effort but i think in the sphere of influence that we have that's what we're doing so good yeah i mean i think there's been 
uh, a ton of suggestions about things to do. And I think we, I'm involved uh, and we're starting tomorrow night in a Be the Bridge community. I don't know if you've heard this about this book called Be the Bridge by Latasha Morrison. Um, uh, she's an African-American lady, just one of the recommended. Um, but it's been, uh, it's been a really good book and we're beginning the discussion tomorrow night. Our pastor's wife organized a group of 10 ladies that are different ethnicities and ages mm. and we're going to be discussing this book together. And there are these little communities, book studies about this book around the country right now. But yeah, I think educating ourselves and not being, um, just not having the advice to give because yeah. we're not coming from the painful perspective. We're coming from the position of privilege yeah. and, um, and not really understanding. And, and even though we've been at this for a long time, I certainly think privately we would say we felt like we've learned a lot. I know we still have a long way to go. And um, we understand that without Jesus at the core, that this is a sin issue ultimately and um, not just a social justice problem. Yeah. Um, and though we may solve some of the problems now and make, make strides in the right direction, Unfortunately, there will always be something else that is going to be uh, a problem because sin is at the core of our culture. So, yeah, we're in a position of just learning and listening right now and just continuing to um, use our gift of hospitality to try to promote better relationships um, between uh, ethnicities and ages so and demographics. Yeah. So that's where we're at with it. <laughs> You want to add something, Kirk? Thanks for having us, Hans. It's been awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so yeah. good. <laughs> it was it was really special, and uh, I really appreciate your time and uh, and the input you give. Uh, I really appreciate the wisdom and the love that you have. And uh, I, we really miss hanging out with you. I can't wait to to come again, especially now. It'll be even more sweet to be able to just travel <laughs> uh, again overseas, but especially to come and see you guys. So I hope that is uh, in the near future. Uh, I would Can I ask for you guys to, to maybe just do a prayer for those uh, watching and listening, um, for the marriages and for the for the families, and, uh, and maybe just a prayer for into this space of the racial divide and, and how we can all be part of the solution. Yeah, absolutely. Lord, we thank you for this time together to talk about this particular subject as marriage is so close to your heart, Lord. Mm. There's so much word about the relationship of Christ and his church being reflected in these marriages. And so we pray for everyone who's listening who maybe has a great marriage or a struggling marriage or maybe no marriage at all, Father. We thank you that your spirit is pervasive and that you're changing people from the inside out. Yeah. And even as we discuss thank you. these racial issues, Lord, the real solution here is you, and it will always be you. And until the culmination of the age, Father, it will only be you that really affects change. So what we do on the surface, Lord, while it helps, it's not really a solution. And so our prayer is for your spirit to come in a powerful way to sweep the nations, Lord, and the individuals and bring about real change in the hearts of men. We look forward to the time when we're together with you, Lord, in, in your kingdom, your newly established Thanks. kingdom, mm. uh, renovated kingdom, where there, there is peace and there is uh, equity for all, Lord. We thank you for what you're doing in the hearts of, of people and nations, Lord, and we're glad to be a part of it. Make us humble before you, Lord. Give us teachable spirits that we might change our worlds and our 
areas of influence, our spheres of influence. Mm, yes, Lord. Thank you for Hans and Aleta and their ministry there in South Africa and what they're doing and just the opportunity to speak on this subject, Lord, really to bring your spirit into this conversation. Mm. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Lord, thank you for Kirk, Kelly, their family, their business, their ministry. I thank you that you've established them to be a voice, a beacon. And I, I pray, Lord, just that you will keep blessing them, strengthening them, uh, give them wisdom, Lord, especially for this time. And I thank you for the opportunities they have to, to minister into the space that is so difficult uh, and that you will guide them in that. Lord, I pray that your love will keep flowing through them uh, in, a, in an even greater way and that people will pick up on that and it will, it will break It'll break preconceived ideas. It'll break down veils and, and that your love will become the, the standard uh, wherever they speak, wherever they share, wherever they host a, a party. And uh, Lord, that, that they and others like them in, in, in the nation of, of the United States will, will really be led to understand in a new way, in a fresh way, how they can relate and how they can build bridges and build relationships in a way that will really see that nation prosper on a whole new level. We thank you, Lord, for marriage. We thank you for, for parenting, for children. And I also just want to bless them and their family and all those that are listening. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray that. Amen. 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 Guys, I love you so much. I appreciate you so much. Thank you. Lots of love from Aleta as well. Uh, she's somewhere with the kids at the moment, but she sends her love and uh, we hope that we can chat to you sometime soon again. Uh, God bless you and send our love to all your kids and all your grandkids. We, we love you guys. Thank love you. Bye-bye. You. Bye-bye. <laughs> guys, thanks so much for tuning in and being part of the conversation today. Remember to come on again tomorrow at one o'clock and the rest of this week. Uh, we look forward to having you. Thanks so much. Please send your comments and, uh, and questions. And please share these with others as well. Uh, We really appreciate you guys. God bless you. And remember that God's love can unlock anything in your life. Bye-bye.